Hello, welcome back to the Court Sense Podcast. This week we're changing things up a little, delving into the realm of politics for the first time as we bring on Honolulu mayoral candidate Keith Amamiya. Anyone familiar with sports in Hawaii knows the name. He was a celebrated leader of the Hawaii High School Athletic Association for 12 years, but now he's presenting himself to a wider audience and at a time with no shortage of crises. Amamiya, a Punahou and University of Hawaii graduate running on a message of change via an outsider, did enough during the free-for-all that was the 15-candidate primary election to survive and advance into a runoff with Rick Blangiardi, another first-time political office seeker with strong sports background. Blangiardi received 25.3% of the votes to Amamiya's 20% of the primary, but now all that matters is who receives more on Election Day, November 3rd. Listen on to hear what Amamiya has to say about that matchup and the road that led him to where he is today. Here we go. This week on the pod, I'm honored to be joined by Honolulu mayoral candidate Keith Amamiya, which is a little mind-blowing for me to say, but Keith Amamiya, you are one of the two surviving mayoral candidates, so welcome to the pod this week. Hey, thank you for having me, Brian. It's an honor to be here. I'm excited. (laughs) Likewise, man. You're the first ever political realm candidate that's come on the pod, and that also is a little mind-blowing that that i mean you are that guy like there we are just a couple weeks removed from the the primaries i mean you and rick blangiardi are the last guys standing two guys in the formerly in the realm of sports like entrenched like staunch sports figures in hawaii um and keith on on the topic of sports real quick this just happened today just a matter of hours ago we saw the nba players the starting with the milwaukee bucks and kind of on down the line, decided to step away from their game, at least for today. And we'll see what happens in the future after the uh, shooting event in, in Wisconsin involving an African-American. What was your just kind of take on, on what happened today in the league, Keith? Well, uh, um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting times we're living in, Brian. And, and so uh, if I'm not mistaken, all, all three NBA playoff games are, uh, were, were – postponed today and I think even uh, at least one major league baseball game as well so you know as a sports fan uh, I'm I'm disappointed but but as as a human being um, you know I understand uh, the this this issue keeps coming up uh, you know of, of police shootings especially those involving African Americans uh, there's been a concern I mean earlier this year there were a lot of Black Lives Matter demonstrations across the country, even here on Oahu, and and it's it's a troubling issue. Uh, it's it's being uh, brought out in the open about in terms of racial uh, inequality and other social justice issues. So it, it uh, you know again, uh, although I'm disappointed as a sports fan, I mean perhaps this is what needs to happen to to address the issue and and bring it to the table and, and hopefully uh, curb the, the violence that we're seeing across the country. For sure. And I don't know if this, this helps give you some insight in the process, but you were like formerly a guy who was on the 
the local police commission, right? Like a number of years ago, does that give you any kind of perspective or insight from, you know, the, the police side of things versus the, just the public? Sure, it does, because as you mentioned, I, I was on the police commission for several years, uh, at, and I, um, my term ended about 10 years ago, but it did give me uh, unique insight into the workings of our Honolulu Police Department. And, uh, you know, fortunately, if you will, you know, we don't have as serious uh, or as many uh, issues that that the other departments and other cities seem to be having. But having said that, I mean, improvement can always take place and, and systemic racism, like it or not, um, or whether we want to admit it or not, it exists all over the country and, and even in, here in Hawaii. I mean, we can always do a better job in terms of respecting one another and, and curbing the racism that, that exists throughout society, uh, you know, again, here and on, on the U.S. mainland and across the world, really. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Keith, you're, you're a guy who's been an executive at a number of places. I think a lot of people will remember you from your time at the Hawaii High School Athletic Association. You were there for a dozen years, right? As I think you started at age 32 and into your mid forties and now you're, you're 54 and running for mayor. Um, <laughs> you, uh, Keith, I mean, right now, you know, there's so many issues on the table, whether it's, you know, the COVID crisis, there's the cost of living, homelessness, you know, the, the rail fiasco, the looming threat of climate change is always there. No shortage of, of things to consider. So I, th I just would, I would ask you, Keith, I think most sane people would be running away from, from, having to take the reins in this in this moment in this situation what what makes you right now be the guy who's willing to run toward it instead of away well I, i've always been unafraid of of challenges and I, I suppose in a way i'm a glutton for punishment but but i relish challenges i i relish uh you know solving problems and i've tried to do that throughout my career especially in the public service realm uh, I, you know i faced Similar eyebrow raising when I was selected at age 32 to head the Hawaii High School Athletic Association. I was a very unconventional pick at that time. I was an outsider. Uh, I, I, I had no ties to the HHSAA. I was not involved in sports. I was, I was a litigation attorney. And so, you know, it's similar to the, the eyebrow raising when I announced my run about a year ago for mayor. Uh, but I, I feel that I'm the right type of person at the right time to take the reins as mayor of the city and county of Honolulu, much like I thought I was the right person at the time to take the reins of the HHSAA. They were in, in a fair amount of turmoil. They were facing financial difficulties. There were threats of Title IX or gender equity lawsuits back then. And with the help of a lot of people, I, I was able to help write the ship, so to speak, and greatly expand opportunities for our high school student athletes, whether it's adding uh, several sports, especially for female student athletes, and adding a second division or classification of state tournaments and, and brokering statewide TV and radio contracts. And, and you know, I'm, I'm proud of what was accomplished. I'm proud of the success of so many of our student athletes, uh, whether when they were in high school and, and, and afterwards, whether it's in the college ranks and, and in the professional ranks. I mean, we, we have so many 
former high school athletes who have done well on the national and even the international stage, whether it's in the Olympics or or professional football or baseball in particular, and, and even soccer for that matter. So uh, it was an exciting time. And for much the same reasons, I, I wanted to head the HHSA. I, I, want, I want to be our next mayor. Um, I think it's the right time to have a non-politician, an outsider, if you will, who will look at things from a fresh perspective and bring a new type of leadership, one that focuses on bringing people together collaborating and, and not caring about who gets the credit and just getting the job done. Um, I've thought about running for politics for a while because I enjoyed my stint at the HHSA in particular in terms of helping people and working with communities. And so I wanna continue that work. And like a lot of people, I, I'm, I'm concerned about the direction government is headed, uh, the divisiveness in politics today and and the many issues and challenges you mentioned, Brian, that, that are taking place. And, and I wanna create a better Oahu for our future generations. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. Uh, we need to help curb the high cost of living among other things that simply is unsustainable. Uh, more and more of our young people are gonna move away to the mainland because they can't make it here. And that's just not good for our state and our future. And it's not fair to them that they don't have a chance to grow up here like you and I have been able to and enjoy all that Oahu has to offer. Sure, sure. And Keith, you know, you've, you've laid out your policy proposals in a number of places. I, I, people can, can access them on a, several of the news outlets. I mean, your own website for sure. So I don't want to go too in depth on, you know, your policy specifics, but I did want to ask you about, you know, right now, I mean, we're obviously still in the throes of the COVID epidemic and we've seen the, the numbers spiking in recent weeks and, you know, the local government has tried to put in some measures to, to curb those numbers. I think there's been some confusion along the way as far as the, you know, effectiveness and, and possibly conflicting logic of some of those, you know, decrees that have come down. Uh, what's your, your thought on, you, you know, what some of those cues have been and, and where we are right now as far as those leadership cues and uh, turning things around COVID was? Yeah, so I'm, I'm like mo most people on Oahu and across the state that at times I was confused about what we can and cannot do. And so, uh, you know, uh, if, if we could turn back time, uh, I, I would... I wish that communication was was better and better. There was better coordination between the state and city because sometimes I think that there there's conflicting messages coming from both sides. And so uh, that's something that as mayor I would really work hard on. And I always have tried to do that throughout my career is is to communicate clearly and effectively and to communicate often. I I. I really think you can never over communicate. And so, you know, you just can't assume the public will, will, will remember, you know, some of the guidelines just by telling them one time, you need to keep repeating it and you need to be clear. Uh, you also need to maybe work with the community more and, and get their feedback on, on, you know, ways to improve communication or ways to help curve the, 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 
COVID-19 spread that's been taking place. In terms of the decision to uh, resume the stay-at-home order here on Oahu beginning tomorrow, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't like it, but I, I, I understand it because the, the count is not going down. It's been in the triple digits, in, and frankly, in the 200 and 300 person a day level for several weeks now. And so, yeah. unfortunately, if we... If we want to curb this and, and, and reopen and get back to business as usual, so to speak, uh, as, as soon as possible, we, we probably have to do this. And so um, we need to do our part as well. Uh, you know, we need to avoid these large gatherings that seem to have been taking place over the past several weeks, uh, despite warnings from government leaders and health officials. And hopefully after these next 14 days, we, we can you know, reopen the economy and, and allow people to uh, resume as much of a normal life as possible um, for the time being. All right. Well, Keith, I want to go back to, you know, the theme of you being this first time guy running for political office, which, you know, is obviously one of the most striking things about your campaign. And, and, but that's also true of your opponent in the upcoming race, Rick Blangiardi. I mean, you guys are two self-described outsiders, with those strong backgrounds in the local sports community and the two left standing in what was a pretty big free for all, right. Going into the, the, into the primary. So th- does it strike you as remarkable that you guys are the two left standings? Did you, did you think that could happen? Actually, I, I did think that was going to happen and I wasn't too surprised that, that it did happen, but you never know. It was, it was, I mean, this, this was such an unusual, interesting mayoral race that may, be unprecedented here here on Oahu for so many reasons. First of all, there were 15 candidates. I yeah. mean, that, that's a lot of candidates. Usually not that many candidates run for office. So so it, it was kind of a free-for-all, as you mentioned, in the primary. Uh, the other uh, distinguishing characteristic of this race, uh, COVID-19. You, you couldn't campaign like you normally would in a in, in a in a mayoral race you you we couldn't go out in the community you couldn't have large events right. and engage with people one-on-one uh, uh or you know in a in a face-to-face setting you we we couldn't um you know even sign wave for a while uh just because of the stay-at-home restrictions or go door to door and meet people throughout co- communities across oahu so that was a challenge and so what we did was we pivoted by uh, engaging in community service during the first stay-at-home order by we serve serving 14 over 14,000 meals to low-income public school students, seniors, healthcare workers, and domestic violence survivors and their children. We we serve, delivered care packages to senior citizens and and other people in need uh, uh, to fill the void, so to speak, while we couldn't campaign. Uh, the other dif- distinguishing factor or characteristic of this election was the first, at least uh, in Hawaii, uh, an all-mail-in ballot election. Mm-hmm. And that really changes things because people are voting during a three-week period every day, as opposed to prior elections where half the people voted by mail and then the other half approximately voted on election day. So that provide, uh, that changed things in terms of our approach. You don't really peak for one specific day 
in the election like you may have in the past. You have to campaign earlier because ballots go out earlier and you have to campaign every day because you never know who's voting uh, or considering voting that day. So that made it unique. But going back to the fact that uh, I, I, the two finalists, if you will, in the general election are first time candidates, I'm not completely surprised because I felt both before I announced my run and during the last year while I've been campaigning, people have repeatedly said they want change and they proved it with, with their ballots, right? Uh, you know, the, the two first time candidates made it over many, many seasoned veteran politicians. And so that's, you know, something that I, I was preaching throughout my campaign of bringing change and, and trying to bring a new perspective and new leadership and just restoring trust in government because people have become very cynical about government. And I want to change that as, as the next mayor. Right. I mean, veterans like Colleen Hanabusa, Mufi Hanneman, they were in that mayoral mix and fell by the wayside. So uh, Keith, I'm curious, do you and Rick Blangiardi, you guys go back, you know, he was a longtime TV executive. Uh, so part A to that question and part B, what do you anticipate as things get closer to, uh, you know, the general election on November 3rd? So Rick and I know each other quite well. We, we, we have a lot of respect for each other. Uh, I, I, I spoke to, we used to speak regularly. Now during the campaign, it's a little different. We, we don't engage as much. We, we pretty much <laughs> confine it to when we see each other at forums and debates, but I have a lot of respect for him and uh, similar background in that we have a, passion for sports and we both have a, a, a business background, you know, more, more Rick than myself, but yeah, I mean, we, we you know, we're, we're cordial and, and we respect one another, but we're, we're, we're competitors as well. And we're both in it to win it. You know, there, there's no consolation prize for coming in second. So I intend to do my darndest to, to come out ahead uh, in, in the election on November 3rd. Well, on that, you know, that night that you were in the top two of the primary, uh, could you describe the, I guess, the, uh, your emotions, the, the atmosphere at your, your war room, if you will, uh, as a, like, yeah, as we've been saying, a first time guy, like you said, you weren't totally surprised that it ended up being you two specific guys that, that made it out. But I'm just curious what that vibe was like when the, the polls came in, because I, correct me if I'm wrong, when the first printout came, it represented about 90% of the share already because of the nature of the mail-in, this mail-in cycle of this election. So what was that, what was that all like? Well, so to clarify, when I say I wasn't totally surprised uh, at, at the final outcome, I mean, mm -hmm. that day you're on pins and needles and <laughs> you're kind of numb. Uh, you know, I thought we, I, you know, I had a good chance of getting into the general, but you never know. Right. So, so mm -hmm. and, and you certainly, um, don't want to be presumptuous. So uh, it, it was a surreal experience. It was almost an outer, bo uh, outer body experience. Uh, you're kind of numb, uh, waiting for the results. And because it's an all mail-in election, we were told that the first printout more or less is, is going to be the final outcome in terms yeah. of the order of finish. So you, I, I braced myself for instant euphoria or instant devastation frankly uh, because you work so hard 
in a campaign and your volunteers work hard and you know you want to win for many different reasons including you don't want to disappoint your family friends and volunteers who dedicated thousands of hours towards your campaign so it, it was you know, again, it's hard to explain the emotion. There's so many, it's nerve wracking in one way, but also you, you resign yourself to like, well, it is what it is. Like you, you know, um, the, it's, it's up to the voters and, and they've already decided. So the result is what it is, but of course, you know, you're still anxious. And so when the results came out, um, I, I was with my wife and son in our living room watching it. And then we went to our headquarters afterwards. But, you know, we were happy, but more relieved, to be honest. Like, we weren't doing cartwheels and high-fiving. I didn't know how I was going to respond. Um, uh, and so, yeah, of course, we were happy. But, but, but also, as a candidate, I think you're paranoid. And, you, you know, you ask, okay, well, how, how much am I ahead of uh, Colleen Hanabusa? And, yeah, what percentage is still out there? how many ballots are still out there. And then you start getting, uh, you know, running math through your head, like, okay, how many votes does she need to overtake me in the, with the last 10% of the vote? So to tell you the truth, Brian, I didn't totally rest easy until the third, there was a third printout. Um, and, that, and it didn't come out till noon on Sunday. So, uh, and, and by that point, after the two printouts came out, it was going to be really difficult for me to fall into third place, but crazier things have happened in life. And, you know, you don't want to jinx it or botchy it, as we say in local jargon. Uh -huh. Until it was official, official, I didn't totally breathe a sigh of relief and, and enjoy the moment. And then, you know, the, the next day, you're already thinking about the general election because it's, it's you know... Um, you, you don't take any opponent lightly. It's going to be a battle and, and you start planning for, for the, for the general election. So, you know, a lot of people assume I've had a lot of downtime, but actually it's, it's been as busy as ever because the window between the primary and general is, is not that long in comparison to the primary where I campaigned for a year, the general election and the primary election window is is 80 something days which is not that much if you think about it yeah it's a, it's a sprint kind of from here on out right absolutely yes compared to the primary yeah so well doubly grateful for you making a little time on, <laughs> on this platform for sure uh, keith you know you mentioned back in your hhsa days or maybe in the immediate aftermath of that is when you maybe you kind of first thought about about running in some capacity was it would you say it was during maybe those last few years of your time in the HHSA after say the success of the, you know, that save our sports initiative that salvaged teams ability to play at the high school level. I think that was 2009 and um, some of the reclassification success that you introduced. What was it any, at any point right after those that you thought about it? Yeah, that was about the time towards the tail end of my tenure at the Hawaii high school athletic association, because I, I had the opportunity in that job to travel across the state and visit every community. There, back then there were approximately 95 public and private high schools that made up the HHSA. I, I visited every single one of them and I, I, I've been to 
every community across the state and including on Oahu. And that's when I got to know a lot of people well. And I got to meet a lot of working class families. And what struck me early on in my tenure at the HHSAA was how much working class families were struggling. Uh, I, I, I kind of knew, but by meeting them and getting to know them, I, I confirm what I suspected. And that uh, we all know it, it's, you know, we live in paradise, but there's a price to be paid. Uh, I mean, literally in terms of your pocketbook. And, and uh, I, I was struck by what families had to do to, to make ends meet and whether it's taking multiple jobs or, you know, having multiple, multiple multi-generational households where, you know, uh, 10 people live in, in a fairly small house or even in, in a condo. And, and so uh, I, I really was motivated at that time to, to do what I could to help communities in the high school sports realm. And I thought maybe one day I could try to expand my reach and my ability to help working class families uh, have a better quality of life and to help them reduce their cost of living. And as I mentioned to you, Brian, earlier, you know, it, you have to be somewhat crazy to run for politics. And, and I, thought, I thought better of it uh, for, for the longest time, but I guess about a year or a year and a half ago, I started seriously considering running for office. I had to, you know, clear it with my wife who, you know, wanted to, you know, wring my neck uh, at the time when I first brought it up. But e eventually she, she, well, she, I, I always bring up crazy ideas to her, including pivoting from being a litigation attorney to running high school sports. And she forgave me for that. And so I was hopeful she'd forgive me for even considering running for mayor. And, and she did. And she's been a huge asset to my campaign and, uh, and my number one supporter. Um, but, you know, I, and, and also, as I mentioned earlier, I just have concerns about the divisiveness of politics from the national level to the local level and, and the inability to work together and, and help, help people, which is what government should be doing. And, and, Running the HHSAA was kind of a political job or holding public office because you're accountable to high schools and communities across the state. And so the skill sets are very similar and the people are just as passionate, whether it's about fixing potholes or who's going to be seated number one in the girls volleyball state tournament. I mean, you, you, you feel you get, you know, a lot of passionate people who want to weigh in. And so when I was running high school sports, I, 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 I developed a lot of skill sets that I think will be very useful when, when uh, if and when I become mayor, uh, including listening and, and not just talking uh, above people, um, trying to genuinely understand the issues and concerns of our communities, getting people to work together and, and not, again, worry about who gets the credit and, and just try to do things for the greater good. I, I, that was always my goal in high school sports and that will be my goal as mayor is if, if we all work together towards a common good, everyone benefits. That's the way I look at it. What do you think your biggest obstacle or you know, roadblock that you had to overcome during that 12-year that run you had while you were there? What, what do you think that was? 
Well, initially it was because you know, I was an outsider and a newcomer, so people didn't know what to make of me and, and were, uh, I don't know about suspicious about my motives, but wondered about my motives. But over time, you, you build trust. You show that you're, uh, I tried to show that I truly had the interests of the greater good at heart and that I, I was going to lead with you know, uh, a sense of collaboration, integrity, and character. And so, you know, over time, uh, I, I won people over, if you will, and it, it made my job a lot easier as the years went by. And, and I'll try to take those same skill sets to, to Honolulu Hale if I'm fortunate enough to be elected. I just, I can't fathom taking over a you know, you referred to, you know, the factions and it was just so, there was a divisive nature within, I think, the HHSA, some of the leagues and different islands, fair to say, taking it that over it, or at least injecting yourself into that at age 32, I don't know, to me, that just seems unfathomable, but, uh, so kudos to you, Keith, but, you. you know, you referenced the fact that you visited at one point or another all I believe it was all 95 schools during your time with the HHSAA. I I just want to know I guess what went into that. The what was the were there some um, logistical hurdles in getting yourself physically to all schools, including at the neighbor islands like Lanai High School, Molokai High School, Hana, like places like that. Yes, there were difficulties, and I certainly didn't do it in, in you know. Uh, in a six month time period, I did it. It took probably took me a couple of years to eventually hit all 95, but I thought it was important to visit all the high schools and actually see their facilities and meet their administrators because I think that's important whenever you lead a large organization, whether it's the HHSA or, or becoming or becoming the mayor of the city and county of Honolulu. It's important to know the people in every community. It's important to physically see every community. I mean, just by driving to on a Friday afternoon to a Waianae High School football game from town, you learn a lot. You see a lot. You also are reminded that traffic is bad. And this is what, you know, families go through every day during the work week or the logistical challenges of a team that's going to play at Waianae High School on a Friday. I mean, it, it takes hours to get there because, you know, we basically have only one freeway there or one way into Waianae and one way out. And then it eventually gets narrowed to a one lane road each way. And so, uh, again, I thought it was important to uh, meet and, and go to every school and also out of respect to uh, they're a member school. I'm, I'm, you know, charged with helping support their athletic program. So I, I thought it was very important that I can say and uh, that I've been to every high school and that I met everyone there. It's, it's, you know, it's just, you just get more credibility by doing that. I asked you about roadblock during that time. What about leading up to say in the last year, you know, learning this political process as you went, you know, as someone who's obviously never taken part in politics myself, I'm curious, like a guy who's a first timer going through the process of, you know, filing yourself as a, as a candidate to fundraising to all that. I mean, like, 
how much have you had to learn along the way as a guy who may have been adjacent to a lot of things that were happening in politics, but had never previously dived in head first? So, well, before I get, uh, explain that, I, I should also mention uh, that when I start, uh, headed the HHSA and started my tenure there, being an outsider, uh, I felt it was actually more helpful than not because okay. I had no preconceived notions. I wasn't part of any faction. And so I viewed everything with a clean, clean slate. And sometimes I think that's very helpful then as if you were within the system for a long time and, and you sometimes get blinders when you're, you're in an organization uh, for, for, for decades in some cases. And so I really think that uh, being mayor and a, a first-time candidate will be helpful in the same regard, uh, should I be fortunate enough to win. But in terms of my campaign, oh, sure, there's times it's trial by fire, but I'm lucky. I have a really strong campaign team. Uh, it, it, I have a, they're all younger than me and, and they're all smarter than me and they, they are passionate about politics. They've been involved in, in campaigns before and I'm learning from them because they are, are in some cases millennials. And so they, they, this, the way they think of things, the, the, their grasp of technology and even data analytics uh, in, in, in politics has been extremely helpful me, uh, to me, e even social media. I mean, I'm okay at it, but they're really good at it. So uh, I, I actually the, the, um, the campaign hasn't been difficult in that regard because I have a good team. And, and when you have a good team and everyone is, is uh, aligned and, and working together for a common goal and not worried about individual glory, it, it makes it a lot more, a lot easier and more pleasant. Okay. Keith, well, you know, I've asked you about things pretty much up to where, when you started at the HHSAA, and I, I kind of wanted to delve with you a little back to maybe more of your childhood. And you've spoken about that some on, on the campaign trail, things that I actually didn't previously know about you from when I knew you as the, the head of the HHSAA. Things like, you know, it was difficult at times with growing up uh, with your parents. And, and I think you talked about them splitting up and, and some of the difficulties your mom had. And you were actually taken in like a Hanai son by uh, your best friend's family. I was wondering if you could, could maybe go into that a little bit because I think that's, that's pretty fascinating. And, and like I said, something I didn't know about you prior to all this. Sure, you know, those experience, experienced experiences helped shape me to be the person I am today. And it, it, it made me a stronger person. It made me a more compassionate person. Uh, as, as I've detailed during my campaign, uh, my mom had and still has uh, issues with, with mental health. And so uh, I, I can relate to families who have someone who ha has a mental illness. And it, you know, you again, become more compassionate and understanding and also frustrated with, with our current system. It's difficult to find appropriate mental health care for people. It's difficult to get people who need the help, the appropriate treatment because of some uh, restrictive laws that, that I feel and many other people are overprotective of those who need help. And then in terms of me bringing 
being hanaid or adopted by my best friend's family, that was another transformative experience. And another reason I'm running for mayor today, because I learned a lot about compassion, taking care of others and being selfless, even though they're, you know, I was not their own blood relative. They had no obligation to take me in, but they did. And so I view those as all part of who I am today and, and why I'm running, uh, especially the, the being taken in by my best friend's family. They, they, they taught me a lot of values. They were uh, a big family uh, by today's standards. There were you know, four children and I was the fifth person. And so I learned a lot about you know, being in a, a, a large family. I mean, you, you learn to, to share a lot and yeah, you get annoyed with each other and argue, but that's part of the growing, growing up experience. Uh, and and you, you, you learn a lot of human dynamics and relationship skills just by that. So um, those experiences really helped shape me and made me the person I am today, as I said. How old were you when they kind of took you in? I was in high school, but it's interesting, you know, it's my best friend's family, the Kobayashi family, and Chris, who's the oldest, who was my best friend. We, I, I spent a lot of time at their house from when I was like in fourth grade, like almost every weekend. And so uh, when my, my family and parents had uh, some challenges, it kind of was a natural one day, uh, Uncle Bert and Auntie Harriet, as I refer to them, told me after one weekend, hey, why don't you just stay with us every day now? And I said, oh, okay, sure. And, and you know, at that time, you're, you're, you're still young. I was still young and I, I appreciated it, but I didn't fully grasp the magnitude of, of their kind gesture until I got older, uh, you know, in college and afterwards and had a family of my own and realized like, wow, what they did was amazing. You know, I could never repay the, you know, the debt I have. And, and so the way, it was, certainly in terms of money or other ways, and the best way I can repay it is to, to pay it forward, so to speak, and help other people like I was helped. And that's another motivating factor of me running for office because I'm grateful that many people have helped me along my journey in life that did it selflessly and didn't have to. Even when I was at the HHSAA, there were a lot of athletic directors and, and retired athletic directors who didn't know me at all, but accepted me from the get-go, taught me the ropes, so to speak, and I'm forever indebted to them as well because uh, you know I, I was an outsider. I had no prior high school athletic administrative experience, but you know, they, they again took me under their wing. They, they didn't question me uh, at all. And, um, you know, they didn't have to. They, they could have given me a hard time, but they didn't. And so I'm indebted to them as well. Well, and Keith, you coming out of, you, you went to the University of Hawaii and you became a, a lawyer. Uh, you went to the Richardson Law School, right? And um, correct me if I'm wrong. So your father, uh, is that Ronald Amamiya, was he an attorney as well? And he was actually attorney yeah. general at one point, right? Yes, he, he, he was. He was the uh, attorney general in, uh, under Governor Ariyoshi at the time. And so I, there's a lot of attorneys. Uh, my 
blood relatives, uh, not only my dad, but I have um, cousins who are attorneys and um, I have uh, even in my Hanai family, I think, well, Bert is an attorney and all four of his kids have law degrees. So there's lawyers everywhere. Uh, So yes, uh, a lot of attorneys uh, in, in my world. What, um, I guess during that, you know, that time in high school and such, what kind of role did your, did did your dad have in kind of your formative years? So we, we kept in touch, uh, uh, and throughout, throughout my childhood. And of course we still keep in touch today. And so, uh, I, I'm lucky in a way I have two families to, to turn advice and counsel and support. And, and so, uh, yeah, whether it's my Hanai family or my, my, blood relatives or, you know, family by blood, I have two strong foundations to turn to, uh, both in, in my regular life and, and in this campaign, actually. Um, many of my family, both families are, are supporting my campaign, and I'm very grateful for all of their support. And uh, the one other member of your family who was in public office, or actually, I guess still is, is your cousin, uh, Roy, right? Or uh, he's currently under the current administration? Yes. So he's, I mean, he's not a politician or elected official, but he's working for the current administration. And so, you know, he's, he's, he knows the city very well. And so, you know, he's someone that uh, is an asset in terms of someone I could talk to and, and seek counsel and advice from as well. Now he's, uh, going to finish his career uh, at the city at the end of this year, at the end of the current mayor's term. And he's excited about his retirement. Uh, he's been working for a long time and he has grandkids now. And so he's really looking forward to finishing out the year strong and, and enjoying retirement with his family. Well, Keith, this being a sports podcast and more specifically, usually basketball centric podcast, you know, you touched on being taken in as, a, as like a Hanai son by a, a good friend of yours. One of the stories that you've told on the campaign trail that I believe this one, I kind of knew about you at the time, but it was good to get that refresher was uh, when you took in Calais Adolfo for at least a, a year or two, right? Um, prior to her getting a scholarship from the University of Hawaii, where she would go on to play University of Hawaii basketball and volleyball and had a very nice career. What was kind of the, the situation that I guess led, led to her being taken in by you guys, at least for a period of time? So um, I met her through, actually through a, a fellow primary election candidate, Mayor Amufi Hanneman and his Team Aloha Girls Basketball All-Star Team. Uh, uh, that's when I got to know Calais very well because uh, I helped along with a lot of other people sponsor the, the funding of the trips where, where Coach Mufi would take a, a collection of about 15 of the top girls basketball players from across the state to showcase tournaments on the mainland. I mean, such luminaries as Shana Kuehu and her sister Shana and, and, and Kale and others have uh, been lucky enough to go on the trip. Um, uh, 
Danielle Awa, a lot of the Konawina girls basketball players, some of the Lahaina Luna girls basketball players uh, were on those teams. And, and even before uh, Calais High School started high school, you know, I, we have, my family has a lot of ties to Molokai and that's where I met her as well. And she's easy to notice because she was six feet something from seventh or eighth grade. And you could tell she was a great talent. And uh, they, Calais needed a place to stay on Oahu during her high school years, during the summers and breaks, like whether it's winter or spring break, because frankly, you know, Molokai is a small island with a small population and Calais would probably improve faster and, and better by, by training on, on Oahu with uh, girls of her similar skill set and, and experience and in volleyball and basketball. So she lived with us during her high school summers. Uh, we took her in uh, during the school year, she stayed with her family uh, back in on Molokai and went to Molokai High School. But we uh, made that offer to Calais because we, we knew she'd benefit from the training and she would probably increase her chances of getting a college athletic scholarship. And sure enough, she did. She uh, received multiple offers, but fortunately for all of us, she decided to stay home and play for the home team and played both volleyball and, and basketball for the Rainbow Wahine teams. And as you know, Brian, just playing one division one sport is difficult enough, but Kalei was so talented. She played two and, Above and beyond that she's a great athlete, she's just a great human being. And so we, we, we had no hesitation in taking her in and, and living with us uh, for, uh, for the, primarily during the summers because she's such a joy to be with. She has such a, uh, a bright personality. She has a strong, hard work ethic. And as I mentioned before, I was Hanaid. And this is one way that my wife and I could pay it forward to another person and, and give her the, the little boost uh, that she could have used in, in her life. I mean, Kirlay would have done well anyway. And for all I know, she probably would have got a scholarship offer from the University of Hawaii regardless. But it just, uh, again, broadened her horizons and improved her skill sets. And we're just happy to be one part of her life. Well, Keith, thanks again so much for, for coming on and making some time during you know, what I know is a very busy schedule for you right now. So any final thoughts you, you would like to um, give for this sprint that's ahead or, you know, the state of things in our community looking ahead right now? Well, I, you know, thank you again, Brian, for this opportunity. I've listened to some of your previous podcasts and I, I will continue to listen to them uh, in, in the coming weeks and months. So uh, I'm just honored to be a part of this. And I, I just humbly ask your listeners to consider me uh, in, when it comes to the election that's coming up for the, for the mayor of the city and county of Honolulu. I would be gratified by their support and their vote. It's a pivotal election and we need change and we need a new collaborative style of leadership in Hawaii politics, something that hasn't existed in a long time. I care deeply about our communities and I want to create a better future for all of us, especially our younger generations. And together, I know we can get it done. Spoken like a guy who's been around the campaign trail at least uh, a few times to this point. So, hey, Keith Amamiya, thanks so much. All right. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me.